Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Co-Creating with AI. I'm Martin Schellström, and with me is Rasmus, as always. How are you today, Rasmus? Good. Yeah, I just had lunch with um, a common friend, uh, who's always fun to meet and catch up with. Uh, also in the AI space, uh, who isn't yeah. <laughs> right now? But that no, was a really, really good chat. How are you today? I'm good. I had a three-hour drive down from, down from Stockholm. And so I have that bit of a tiredness in my body, but uh, mentally I'm I'm loaded with thoughts from listening to podcasts and, and YouTube on my way down. Cool. Uh, so today, right, multimodal, getting back to that topic. Yes, I think definitely. Um, AI with multiple mod- modalities. And, I wonder uh, if modalities is kind of a thing that people relate to. I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's I don't relate it more than I do to the word inference. I mean, it, it's it's a learned learned term that is not like it's. I wouldn't even say that multimodal as a Swedish person is in my active vocabulary yet. I yeah, unless it's very specifically about AI. Yeah. Anyhow, so let's let's explain that. I mean. For those who are not aware, right, uh, ChatGPT just released a demo, and they have uh, no, they're actually just rolling it out for for some Plus members, but should be to all Plus members soon. Um, basically, that you can ask it to generate images, and you can give it images, and it can analyze them and do things with them. Mm. So, in your chat interface, you can. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, basically ask it to, you know, the example they take is, you know, create a bedtime story uh, and then it starts generating the story and then you ask for some pictures, it gives you some pictures and of course, you know, does this very, very well. It's a demo, of course, but mm. um, I think that's kind of a, a very like vivid example of how something like storytelling becomes some a completely different thing when you go from just, you know, written text to text and images and yes. of course we can you know it's it's just like entertainment right it's a different thing you know listening to podcast or uh, or sorry like um li- reading a book or watching a movie so to mm. say uh, even though we're not that that modality as well yet but mm. um but yeah so I'm, I'm just curious to sort of explore that because it felt to me like each combination of modalities, you know, mm-hmm. but let's just say text, image, um, sound, video, etc., um, will unlock new things. So uh, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts around this? Did you see the demo? I saw, yeah. And um, to be to be honest, I I don't really think that the demo they published is as showing the best case of you of multimodality in the terms of actually um, it's more of a they're showing showing an AI using tools to generate an, an a picture, but it is in the same chat interface. So I guess the the overall experience for the user is multimodal. And then there are on a deeper technical level, there are, are also multimodal AI models that natively understand several different modalities. So you can have an a, an AI that understands both text and images, and perhaps also sound. And you can have, for example, the translation AI that uh, Facebook or Meta built uh, is uh, is not text. It's not based on the text modality. It's based on the audio modality, mm. but it's audio to audio. So you you can translate 
uh, audio, but it's also text is in there because you can give text uh, text instructions applied on audio to audio generation. So you can ask it to clean the text from noise or translate the text to from English to Swedish. And so I think that like um, these, this multimodal thing can exist on so many levels on the UI level and a deeper uh, deep learning level. And um, it's, but it's exciting to see that coming up as a, as a UI innovation as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good, good point just to throw something else in the mix and then maybe we can kind of uh, try to uh, generalize and, and frame it. But I saw this uh, other demo by, by this influencer, I think he's called uh, Wright McKay or something like that. And uh, he makes these really cool demos of like using AI for coding. And the thing he demoed now was uh, he had drawn like a system, like a very basic like app architecture on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And then he'd given it to, I mean, I guess it was ChatGPT. And then it, or I mean, I think he, this this was actually part of the, he was probably part of this new test group testing what I just like yeah. described in the beginning. And then it understood the image mm. and it co- wrote the code that he then deployed and the thing worked. And it understood quite symbolic things like an arrow mm. pointing between an email and a person name. And then like what happened in a little text underneath that said something, what should happen. And, uh, and you know, co- I mean, I, I don't know, yeah. I wasn't there, but if, if you trust him, it really worked. So that's like, mm. I think that's a pretty powerful that, example of multiple Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it also goes to show the, um, the power of uh, everything that our human brains are doing continuously, just, uh, just con- like, bringing in the, the visuals and the text and the context and everything into one understanding uh, all the time without us even um, having to think consciously about what we're doing. And, uh, but that given, giving that power to the AI is uh, amazing that they are now maybe starting to roll out something that they announced um, when GPT-4 was, was announced initially, but never really showed off to the world except for that very very first uh, launch video where they showed it implementing a web page from a from a napkin drawing right right yeah that's true that was probably an experimental thing that they haven't like been able to push out before yes. now but i think mm. it's interesting just on, on top of what you're saying and i think that's maybe frame for me at least to really appreciate the multimodality is right like un- up until i don't know what to say but if we just take the text-based kind of chat GPT, mm. we just take chat yeah. GPT as such a clear example for everyone, then it can understand text. That's pretty obvious when you write with it, right? Mm. Mm. But it couldn't understand images. And the cool thing here is not, now it can understand images. If mm. you give it a picture of a mountain or a whiteboard drawing of a systems architecture, you know, it understands the difference. It's not only able to label them mountain whiteboard right mm. that was kind of pre llm kind of thing that you did with all these uh, image recognition kind of mm. architectures um but it, it it actually understands the picture which is something that of course very natural to us as human beings we look at something we see the patterns and we have some kind of frame of reference for it to interpret it and what we can do mm. with it and what it's meant to you know convey etc but that's that's it's it's 
I mean, it's like a whole new dimension of intelligence almost. Yeah, yeah. To, to these and, models. And uh, I'm, I'm super curious. Of, I want to read up on how it works on the inside, like um, below the hood, under the hood. I don't know even know if that information is uh, is available. There is a an, a research project project that was that came out maybe six months ago from Microsoft called Blip, which is like a basic uh, image understanding model. Uh, it's available on Hugging Face. It's pretty uh, widely known. Um, and what Blip is doing is basically it's. Uh, it's kind. Of, it's kind of cool that it in the way that it works under the hood that it it labels. It's able to label an image, um, like to with a lot of labels. If you if you have um, any kind of photo or, or or drawing, it will produce maybe twenty twenty five different labels on that drawing. Uh, like what what are the uh, like just the objects it's seeing in the image, and then they push that through a normal text generative uh, LLM and through the reasoning capabilities of the text generation LLM they are asking you to reason about with if if all of these labels exist in the same image make a, uh, educated guess on what the image should contain and then from all those labels like because it it doesn't make like sometimes uh, like it needs to try to understand why why it makes sense to have um, a, sp- a spider and a, a playing cards in the same game, in the same image, and and it makes an educated guess about the relationship about those two based on on those labels and all of the others, and it turns out that that's that's it's becomes pretty accurate. So you're you're able to chat with it about the contents of the image, and it's almost always right, or it's at least like ninety mm. percent right. So that, but to me, that is sort of cheating it's not the, the model doesn't understand images natively it, it they are used like they're getting towards that understanding giving the impression of that understanding but not really creating a true understanding and i'm super curious about gpt4 if it has a true like native understanding of the image if that's mm-hmm. broken down on this like a semantic embedding level or even deeper and how it get, gathers the relationship between objects in the image and so on I'm, mm. like, and giving the black box nature of all these all of these ais maybe nobody knows like what yeah. kind of representation that allows it to take the understand the arrow pointing from email to human within just instruction mm. on the on that edge about what should happen I mean, the, the the probable guess would be that they've just helped ChatGPT to use Dolly, and Dolly can take text to image and image to text, probably. Like you know, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, we. I don't yeah. sure if you can use Dolly for image to text, actually, but I mean, that's the basics of these models, right? They could, yeah, you know, do it, both. Yeah, like it could be. Some would be so, somewhat disappointed. It could be that they are. Faking it the, almost the same way as as Blip is doing, Microsoft is doing with Blip, but but just like taking it to another magnitude, like maybe a mm. hundred labels instead of and and with and and then with GPT four's reasoning power, it's able to understand like understand what is what what is what needs to be the underlying image for all those labels mm. to be produced and. Um, but it seems like, I mean, yeah. given the uh, given the whiteboard example, 
Yeah. I mean, it would, okay, so it would label all the boxes, but it still also needs to understand where the boxes are and how they fit together. Yeah. There are a lot of, yeah. like, you know, like, there's this thing, an image, uh, this saying, an image says more than a thousand words, right? Yeah. But there's also like another way to 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 say that, which is you need a thousand words to explain an image. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Like True. you need a thousand. Like yeah, an image yeah. has so much information. It does. Yes. If you're actually yeah. gonna tell someone enough words, so they could re- draw it like mm. exactly the same way. That is yeah. an insane amount of words yes. uh, in order to describe that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. Like when you dive into it, and or if I do first, like let's 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 look at it because it really mm-hmm. feels like like a first or second language thing, mm. you know. So yeah, I can uh, I can speak English, right? I'm I'm pretty alright. I lived in London for a few years, but I'm not a native speaker. I I generally think in Swedish, even though like at times I think in English, maybe. But like it's it's a different thing having a first and second language. And I wonder if that's true for these modalities like as well, mm. that if you have a model actually trained on a certain medium, you know, text, image, mm. audio, whatever, that act, that actually fundamentally um, creates different capabilities, you know, because it thinks in images or it thinks in text, as is, yes. I think in, you know, English or Swedish, right? Or mm. Chinese, which is very different, right? That's apparently a very different way of thinking. Mm. Uh, thinking in Chinese. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it does make sense. And and there is this thing about the like the native understanding and and to train you you can actually train an AI in all kinds of weird modalities. Like Meta had a research project where they trained an AI to think about objects um, and their spatial relationships inside a three dimensional box inside a cube. And they so they they trained it on lots of data where uh, so they could put three D objects like the vase is on the table and they they gave then they gave the coordinates of the vase like where does it begin in the end and end in three D space what is the bounding box of of the vase and the table and so on and they just trained it to reason about the spatial relationships within that box and then it became an expert on that specific thing which is not super useful in the real world maybe. Or or it, or maybe it brings some kind of um, together with something else or some other modalities. Maybe it gives some reasoning capabilities, like emergent properties, the way that GPT four uh, or GPTs have had, um, in like intelligence uh, or reasoning capabilities emerge just from learning to predict the next word in a text. And mm. so this is an ongoing exploration. What would I, what will actually um, happen? What emergent properties will be defined by mm. by creating true mo- natively multimodal AIs? Yeah, and it's also interesting. Just like I want to go off on so many tangents right now, but I'm not going to do that. So let's save it. But if you just like, and, and maybe this is something I don't understand here, but like, let's say Dolly, right? It's a text yeah. image model, mm-hmm. and what I do then is I basically translate between two languages. Almost, I translate between the text language to the image language and back again. Mm. Uh, and that's what we've been discussing. And then text to text is kind of like, you're not even translating, you're you're speaking the same language. I speak mm. text, you give me text back, or like ChatGPT gives me text back. Yeah. But if you think then about like just a simple example of an image to image model, right? Like, what does that actually mean in terms of 
I mean, we discussed it on like an abstract level. It fundamentally understands images, mm. but that needs to be combined with some kind of image to text model for it to be able to, uh, you know, use that in, I mean, in say these examples that we talked about with chat, like multimodal chat GPT, uh, like, we're, we're, like, cause like me communicating with images. Yeah, of course I can give it an image and it gives me an image back, but how do like, yeah. You know, well, that doesn't the, necessarily make sense, right? Because we're no, not but used to uh, it comes down what the training data gives as examples. Uh, if if you there are, as an example, there are mod, models that are extremely effective at upscaling images, going from a low resolution to a high resolution image, and you have uh, they've trained them uh, just by uh, giving them thousands of examples of that. And hmm. that's and that training data is so easy to synthesize by taking the high res and scaling it down to low res and then feeding it re in reverse to the AI model and say recreate the high res from this low res. Here's the here's and and then you can really easily. And is like, that fine tuning or training you're talking about there? No, so that that you can you can train from from scratch. On. You can train from scratch yeah. on that, yeah. like basically yeah. taking that flow of taking something small. You know what the input data is, you know what the output data is, and yeah. now you want to train the neural net so it can yeah. actually achieve that transformation. And that would be a foundational model for yes. that specific use case. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like one software that does that really well is it took, there's a company called Topaz uh, that has a model called Gigapixel, which does that. And they, their software is quite expensive expensive and you buy it for a hundred dollars but it's really if you if you have any kind of photo editing workflow it's it's extremely uh, well thought out both you ux wise and and uh, technically really sound as a software and that is it okay mm -hmm. I mean, mm. that's actually interesting also in terms of like, I don't know, intelligence and proficiency and stuff like that what we talked about before because it feels like what we're talking about now with the modalities and mm. that's almost a modality what you told me now like taking a small image and making it big that's on the level of kind of a specific type of intelligence um mm. almost i don't know but, if you could expect like a image like a foundational image model you know mm. to be really good at that or maybe you could take yeah. that one and then fine-tune it on that use case but, so it becomes but, proficient at it I want to uh, think about how the power of specifically about multimodal models, because if you have yeah, that okay. upscaling, that's that's a, that's actually just a single model modality. It can it can only handle images, and but imagine if the, you also had text uh, as a modality, so that and it was trained on a lot of instructions. So you can say, can you upscale this from the top left corner or make the teddy bear super sharp, but not, mm. but keep, keep the background blurry or whatever, like that, that the, just the power of that speaks to the power of multimodal models mm. where you can, uh, you can combine different ways of, of reasoning or, or if it maybe it even like, uh, understands audio where doesn't even translate to text first it just understands your instructions when you speak to it natively and yeah i think that's a good point yeah and I mean, I, yeah because it goes back to like our previous discussion around like voice as a, as a medium as well like mm. if it understands fundamentally if a, if a model fundamentally understands like text 
images and audio. Mm. Uh, and then you can communicate in either of those and it can reply in either of those. Mm. Right? I mean, I, I guess like we could as human people, you could technically, you know, say something to me and I make a picture for you and I give it back to you. Right? <laughs> I mean, I could. Or you write yeah. something for me and then I record a voice message for you. I mean, people yes. do that stuff. I have some yeah. friends who always record voice messages uh, when I text them. Uh, and so, I mean, that, I, I think that's actually, like, w- what does that entail then? I mean, first of all, it understands the things fundamentally such that it can, uh, like, interpret this whiteboard image and write code. Mm-hmm. Or it could uh, then create a voice message uh, asking me if it's understood that the uh, image, like, com- like, correctly before it then interprets my answer to write the code. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, so I guess that's the, is it just interact? It's, it's about fundamentally understanding a medium, like we talked about last time as well, like mm-hmm. understanding voice, maybe picking up other things than just the words you're saying and labeling them, but like actually like understanding voice as a spoken, like as, as a medium and that or audio as a medium and then being able to express itself in it. Yeah. So like, and, and that combination, I guess, leads to, I mean, like we've taken a few examples today, quite new things. Like modern, mm. multimodal, like true multimodality. Mm. Um, I think that's all I had in me there. Do you have any last, like, <laughs> <laughs> any last reflections? But I'm, I don't know. This, I, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So, um, but then the implications for like, how does that? What does that do to society and and future work uh, when it comes out in at the at the bigger scale? When is when this is deployed? Where is this going to bring value first? And that's, uh, I, I think that's always interesting to think about with new, new technologies, that it's not just a, a really well-functioning demo. It's uh, like, how does it actually affect society? And uh, and uh, I, I think that's, uh, at this point, just anyone's guess, because the, the thing about the multimodality is that it's so... Uh, just discovering what to use it for is, is a long-term project. And uh, and how because you can have the bedtime story is cute, but maybe it's not uh, world changing or, or game changing for, and except for very lonely kids or parents with very little imagination. But it's it's cute to to look at, and it's a to translate that into um, value for for anyone. It, I think it's a, it's a, would be a great exercise at some point. No, but I'm sure. Let's do that in the next episode. I think that can tie into like, I, I would want to talk about the AR and stuff as well, like how AI and AR, mm-hmm. VR ties together, sure. which I think yeah. is going to be interesting. So, but let's save, uh, let's save that for next episode, like actually looking at how these latest new capabilities around multimod- multimodality um, mm. will like get rolled out and are being rolled out. That, that would be fun to, to take some examples and dive into. Awesome. Let's do that. All right. Uh, thanks, you. thanks to you, Rasmus, and also to our dear listener who's been with us all the way to the end of this episode. And tune in next week for um, another look at co-creating with AI. Thanks, Martin. Thanks.